Welcome to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. This is Pastor Tim McLaughlin, the Executive Director of Adult and Teen Challenge. You know, when I record these things, I think I mentioned this last week, we used to record them live, but it was hard to find uh, churches that had the proper recording devices and try to get the sound quality. So uh, I started recording these sitting in my office, and, and I really like it. It gives me a little bit more time to, to think, uh, but also sometimes I feel like a DJ on a radio show. But uh, we're just so glad that you tune in. We are so glad that um, we're getting the Word of God out there. And and the key is this. I've been reading a book by J. Oswald Sanders here lately, and actually been going over it with our staff here at Adult and Teen Challenge of Upper Cumberland. Uh, it's a book called Spiritual Discipleship. And, you know, one of the things I truly believe, and I've actually preached on this and taught on this and and just uh, went over this time and time again is, is I truly believe that the church, the, the big C church, the church of Jesus Christ, we have lost the Great Commission. We have failed to fulfill what Jesus told us to do, and that is to go and make disciples. And we obviously know that uh, we need to lead people to Jesus. We need to tell people about Jesus. People need to get saved. Uh, I believe in water baptism. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the reality is this. If we're not discipling people, uh, we're, we're missing it. People will return to their vomit. People will go back to the worldly ways if they're not being discipled, if they're not being taught. And so why do I love doing these podcasts? Why do I love uh, teaching the Word of God? Uh, because I'm a student of the Word, and I want to teach others to, to love the Word, to get into the Word, and, and that they would make it uh, uh, something in their life that would just change and transform them. So all that being said, I want to jump into uh, this message today and hope that it's a, a blessing to you. I want to start off and, and you know, kind of share some things with you. And, and many of you that have followed this podcast, you probably already know this a little bit about me. But if you're new and you're tuning in, uh, first and foremost, welcome. But um, tell you this, when, when I was born, uh, my mom was a single mother. Uh, I've never met my real father. He, he left before I was born. And my mom married uh, my stepdad when I was two years old. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they had their struggles and, and things. And my, my stepdad uh, ended up dying when I was uh, nine years old. But from two till actually seven, seven when my grandfather died, we used to go to church. My grandparents would take us to church, but my parents never went to church. And so from two to seven, I would go to church and we would go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, revivals, different things like that. And um, I never knew this until I uh, uh, God called me to preach. And I remember going and sitting down with my grandmother and she was she was, uh, gosh, probably well up into her 70s, maybe early 80s this time. I'm not for sure. And um, I remember sitting down with her, and this was shortly before her death, and I told her that um, I felt like God had called me into the ministry and that I was going to be preaching. I, I'd already started uh, preaching a little bit, and I was offered a job at a church. And I went and told my grandmother, and she just uh, she grabbed my hand, and she began to weep. And she began to tell me stories that I'd never heard before about how at two and three years old when, when – uh, my mom first married my grandmother's son, my stepdad, how they would, uh, you know, they would go out and party, they would go bowling, they would go do their thing, and she would babysit. And she said she would rock me in her rocking chair in her lap. 
and uh, she would rock me. She would pray and she would prophesy over me that God would use me. And then she said, you know, when I got a little bit older, you know, five, six, seven years old going to church, we would come home from church. And a lot of times we would go to their house and she would make lunch. And uh, I would go out on her uh, front porch. It was a concrete porch. It was about, I don't know, 12, 18 inches uh, up off the yard. And a lot of my friends in the neighborhood would come over and they would park their bikes in the side yard and they would sit in the, the front yard and they would listen to me as I would come out there and I would imitate my preacher. And, and I remember, you know, I'd, I'd scream and holler and I would tell them, they, you know, repent or you're going to hell. And I would take my, my, my clip on tie and I'd yank it off and I'd throw it out in the yard. And, and my friends would just laugh and have a good time. My grandmother said that she would just sit there and, and, and she said, you know, what they thought was funny, she saw what God was already beginning to, to birth inside of me. And of course, I took a wrong track. I got off course. But God is faithful and, 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 and God brought me back and he, 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 he's placed me in this position now where I get to preach the gospel. And, and I, all of that is said because of what I want to share with you today. Uh, if you if you look in your Bible or if you have your Bible, if you if you're anywhere close, to, I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. But I want you to think about King David, King David. Uh, many of you may know, maybe you don't know, but King David was um, he was anointed by the prophet Samuel when he was probably around 16 or 17 years old. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 12, it says that he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for he is the one. Now to put the story into context, you need to understand that, that, that the, prophet is, uh, the prophet Samuel is called to go to the house of Jesse. God told him, he said, go to the house of Jesse and I'll show you who you're going to anoint and and so Samuel gets there, and Jesse has all these fine-looking, big, strapping sons that are sitting there. And he goes through, and he's looking at him. And God says, you're looking at the outward appearance, but I'm looking at the inward appearance of man. And so none of these fine-looking lads that are there uh, are the ones that God had chosen. And so Samuel looks at Jesse, and he says, do you have another son? And Jesse said, well, yeah, you know, I've got this one, and he's out there, and he's tending the sheep. And and uh, he's he's ruddy, and and what we know through history that the Bible doesn't declare to us is that uh, David was probably not the his mother was not the same mother as these other boys uh, were. So so David would have literally, according to the Word of God, he was he was probably redheaded. That's what ruddy means. Uh, he was the redheaded stepchild. He was he was not. Uh, had the same father but different mothers, and and because of that, he was kind of the outcast, and so he was out tending the sheep while the prophet comes in to have dinner with everybody, but God knows the one that he had chosen, and so Jesse sins for David. David comes, and the Bible says here in 1 Samuel 16, verse 12, that his eyes were bright. His eyes were bright. This meant that, you know, in his youth, that David was without sin. His eyes were bright, and he was without pride, or fault. Now, shortly after being anointed uh, by the prophet, David goes back to tending sheep, and and nothing you know miraculous happens at the time. But but not too long after this, uh, we see the famous story of uh, David slaying Goliath. 
because he trusted in God. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 and 46, it says, Then David said to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Now again, so so think about this. All, all the older brothers, all the big strapping guys, they're they're off in battle. They're fighting for uh the the they're fighting for King Saul. They're fighting for the army of Israel, and so they're off at battle. And and David's still at home with Jesse. He's he's still uh, too young to to be uh, in the army. But Jesse says, take some food, take some some cheese and some other things, some grapes or whatever, and take them to uh, to your brothers. So David takes off to the front lines to find his brothers to bring food. And when he gets to the camp, he, he sees everybody, you know, kind of in fear. And there's this big giant of a man that's out there and he's he's cursing the army of Israel and he's he's cursing the Lord God. And and David gets offended by this and and David says, why is not anybody doing anything? And David's brothers begin to talk down to him and, 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 you know, criticize him for coming and, and, uh, all these things, just treating him like the, the stepchild that he is. And, uh, but nobody else is wanting to do anything. So David gets offended and David goes and under the, the power of God, he slays Goliath. And then they begin to make songs about David. David kills his ten thousands and Saul kills his thousands. So David goes from being a ruddy shepherd boy with bright eyes and no sin to now he's the, the hero of Israel. And, and uh, those that used to make fun of him, his brothers and stuff, now David is this hero. But because of this, uh, Saul gets jealous of David and and uh, wants to kill David, and David then is, he has to run, and he's hiding in caves, and he's running for his life, and, and all of these things, and then finally, uh, the battle takes place, Saul and all of his sons, uh, or most of his sons, I should say, get uh, get killed in battle, and so at the age of 30, King David can come out of hiding, and uh, he is finally anointed as as the king of Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David and made a covenant with him in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years. So here you go. You've got David whose eyes were bright. His eyes were fixed on the Lord. He becomes the second king of Israel. He's the, the king in whose lineage Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Deliverer, the Messiah, the one true king. It's, it's of the lineage of David that Jesus was born. So does this mean that David was perfect in all of his ways? No. As, as, as the old, uh, as the guy used to say, uh, uh, there's there's more to the story. Let me tell you the rest of the story. And, and so in Second Samuel chapter six, uh, David gets in a hurry, and uh, he he's, he wants to bring the ark of God into town. And and because he gets in a hurry, he he puts the ark of the covenant on a wagon instead of carrying it the way that it was supposed to be carried. And the Bible says in Second Samuel chapter six verse seven, it says, "Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah." And God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry 
Because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Now, let's just be honest. Has anybody ever been angry with God and realized it's not God's fault, but it's your fault because of your sin? David sinned because he got in a hurry and he did not do what he was supposed to do and did not transport the Ark of the Covenant the way that it was supposed to be transported. Well, the story goes on and David finally gets the ark into, into town and, and, and there's a big sacrifice and there's a big party and, and everything seems to be going well. And David at this point, he's, he's got three wives and he's having multiple children and, uh, different children by these, these different wives. And then all of a sudden, when all the men go out to war, the Bible says that, uh, David in 2 Samuel, uh, chapter 11, uh, 10 and 11, David uh, be, be, sees Bathsheba uh, while he's up on the roof and all the men are out to war and he begins to lust after Bathsheba. And so he goes down and he, he, uh, or he has Bathsheba brought to him and he ends up committing adultery with Bathsheba. And, and then uh, uh, because of this adultery, Bathsheba ends up getting uh, pregnant uh, by uh, David and and so David tries to to lie and try some trickery and he calls Uzziah Bathsheba's husband back or Uriah rather Uriah back from battle and and tries to trick Uriah and gets him drunk and tries to get him to sleep with Bathsheba so that the the heat's off David but Uriah is an honorable man and and Uriah would not sleep with his wife because of all the soldiers that he that are out in battle and they can't be with their wife. So Uriah said, I'm not going to be with my wife and enjoy the, the luxury. So David sends Uriah back to the battlefield. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, he commands uh, that, that Uriah would be uh, killed in battle. So Uriah gets killed in battle. David brings Bathsheba into his house and Everything seems to be okay. Like David's got it all hidden and everything taken care of. But then the prophet shows up to David's house. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 9, 10, it says, Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. However, because of this deed, you have given great occasion to our enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. So because David committed adultery, David murdered, David lied and tried to cover it up, David is being punished. David's sin cost him the life of this young baby, this, this new baby, it also cost him the life of two other sons. One of his son, uh, Amnon, was killed by his other son, Absalom, because Amnon raped one of David's daughters. So, so understand David has three wives. He has children with these different wives. So Absalom is the son of one of David's wives, and, and he's got a sister. And then Amnon is the daughter of another one of David's wives. And Amnon rapes Absalom's sister. And because of this, Absalom murders Amnon. Well, then Absalom takes off. He runs. A couple years later, David brings Absalom back 
to to Israel, but he kind of keeps Absalom at a distance. Absalom gets bitter in his heart, and Absalom tries to rise up against David and tries to uh, get people to make him king and, and causes David to, to actually have to leave uh, the city. And uh, Absalom gets into war, and Absalom gets killed because of his rebellion. So because of David's sin, David's sin cost him the life of three of his sons, it cost him a lot of the esteem of his nation. So my question is, is what has your sin cost you? Romans 6.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, we've all missed it. All of us, much like King David, have allowed pride and selfishness, arrogance, and the desires of this world to cause us to sin and miss the mark. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 24 and 25, it says, But being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance, God had passed over all the sins that were previously committed. See, there are going to be times in all of our lives that we're going to to, 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 to miss it. There's going to be times in our lives where, you know, we're without sin and our eyes are bright, much like me when I was a young child up until, you know, the age of seven, I was in church and I didn't have any sin. And, and my grandmother was prophesying and I was imitating my preacher and I was preaching. But then much like David, I allowed things to rise up in my life and I began to follow the things of the world. And so did David and, and David began to sin. But you need to understand this. The Bible says, in Psalm chapter 139, verse 13 through 17, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and yet your book were all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! See, because of our sin, we have lost much. But because of God's grace, we have been forgiven much. After all David had experienced, after all the victories, after the anointing, after the pain, after the loss, and yes, the forgiveness, because, God, because David had repented and cried out to God, David got to the place where David could write to the Lord in Psalm 27, verse 4. And this is really the, the key scripture that I want to give you today. Psalm 27, verse 4. After all that David had been through, after, after all the, the sin and then his repentance, he writes, One thing I desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. See, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He would like for us to be perfect. He would like for us not to sin, but He knows we're not perfect. He knows that we're flesh and He knows we're going to miss it. Does this mean that God permits our sin? Absolutely not. 
But what this means is that God has already made a way to cleanse us from our sin. God made a way for us so that when we repent and we cry out to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and all of our trespasses, to wash us clean in the precious blood of Jesus. But much like David, when David repented, when David got his heart right with God, when David wrote these many psalms that he wrote and asked God to change his heart, to create in him a new heart and a right spirit, David could write to the Lord. He said, I desire of the Lord to seek you, to dwell in your house, to know and behold your beauty. So what does God want from us? What did King David learn from all of his victories and all of his trials. Number one, that just like David, we also need to desire the Lord. We need to desire the Lord. Above all things in the world, above all riches, above all fame, above anything in our lives, we need to desire of the Lord. The word desire here is the word which means to inquire of the Lord. See, to keep us from stumbling, the Lord has made provision for you and for I. And that provision is called prayer. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. See, God desires us to come to him and to ask to seek His face, to knock, to know the will of God for our lives. How do you know the will of God? By reading His Word and taking His Word and going to prayer and, and, and asking these things. See, I, I ministered just the other day a message about, about uh, how, how we need to take our questions to God. We need to ask God. We need to give God our complaints. God is not caught off guard when we come to Him and we ask questions of Him. Job asked questions. He said, I can't believe this would happen. I wish I was never born. Daniel asked questions of God. He, he asked God, he said, he said, when are you coming back? When are you going to restore the children of Israel like you told the prophet Jeremiah? Jesus himself hanging on the cross, he said, Father, where art thou? Why have thou forsaken me? God it, it does not get thrown off because we ask you questions of him. The Bible says in Matthew 21, 22, it says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believe you will receive them. See, we can go to prayer. We can ask God these things if we believe what the word of God says. If we believe and we know the word that we're asking of God, then we can go to God and believe that we'll receive that which we're asking from him. See, Yuza was killed because he, he David was not doing what he was supposed to do. He, he got uh, things out of order and he got in a big hurry. And because of that, Yuza stretched his hand and touched the Ark of the Covenant and lost his life. Three children died, three of David's sons, because David committed adultery. If David would have just asked of the Lord how to move the ark. If David would have just asked of the Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? If David would have just sought the Lord instead of looking at Bathsheba, three boys would not have lost their lives. We can never change what has happened in our lives. All of us have lost things. All of us have, have had to deal with, with what we the, the sin that we have sown. We reap that. We may never understand all of those things but we can 
go through the rest of our lives seeking the knowledge of God and inquiring of God in prayer. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. God desires us to inquire of him, to ask. If we will spend time with God in prayer, we won't have to worry about getting involved in sin because we'll, we'll get close to God. So the first thing you need to do is you need to, you need to ask of the Lord. You need to desire of the Lord, inquire of Him. And then number two, we need to dwell in His presence. We need to dwell in His presence. The word dwell means to remain or to abide. God does not desire us to repent, get saved, and then go back to sin. Repent, get saved, go back to sin. See, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different results. See, what God desires is that we would remain in His love, that we would repent, get saved, and then abide in His goodness and in His presence. John 15, 5, He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. See, when in Christ we repent and remain, we will bear much fruit. Our life will be one filled with blessing. Not always perfect, but in Christ, always beneficial. So how do we bear fruit and live a beneficial life? We need to learn to walk as Jesus walked. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, He who says he abides in him, ought himself also to walk just as he, Jesus, walked. When we spend time with him, when we dwell in his presence, when we seek his face, then we'll learn to walk as he walked. We'll learn to live according to his word. So first we need to understand that we need to desire to spend time with God. Then we need to learn to dwell in his presence. And then number three, we need to seek him just as David sought him, just as Moses sought the Lord. We need to seek the Lord. Psalm 27, verse 7 and 8 says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. See, we need to get to the place where we quit seeking acceptance from the world. Quit seeking what man has for us. Seek God's face. Seek God's heart. Seek the approval of the Lord in all that he has for you. Second Chronicles 22 verse 19 says, Set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. See, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge each and every one of you that's listening. First and foremost, are you saved? Because if you're not saved, understand this. Today's the day of salvation. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life and be Lord of your life. You need to remain in his presence. You need to seek 
to follow after him. If you are saved, then Jesus said, just like he said to the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, go and sin no more. Remain in him and seek his face in all of his ways. If you've been born again, if you're where you're supposed to be, God just desires for us to spend time with him in prayer, to remain in him all the days of our life, to constantly seek more of his presence. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We're not perfect. King David was not perfect. David sinned and so have we. David asked for forgiveness. Have you? Have you repented? Have you asked God to change your life? See, David made Jesus, God, Jesus, David made God Lord of his life. Have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Have you cried out and said, Lord, I want you to sit on my heart. I want to go to you for every decision in my life. I want your spirit to rule and to reign in every area of my life. See, David prayed. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Will you inquire of the Lord? Will you seek him? Will you dwell in his presence? Will you have greater desire for the things of God than the things of the world? I hope so. That's my prayer. And that's my reason for teaching these podcasts, ministering the word of God so that your lives can be forever changed and transformed. Father, I pray that you bless each and every one that's listening to this message today. And I pray that this has been a blessing to them. Lord, I know that your word is truth, that your promises are yes and amen, and that your promises will not return. Your word will not return void. So Lord, I pray today, touch them. Lord, that they received what they have heard and that it will impact their hearts for your glory. Father, we give you praise for these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. And we'll hope to see you next week.